morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS Free Game Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter. And uh, NBA's back. It's NBA time. It's NBA time. We're back with NBA. We're, we're Now we're going throughout the entire week. I know last week, uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays, uh, uh, I had off because uh, there wasn't much going on. But the uh, NBA is back today two game slate i'm not going to be playing the two game slate i'm not a big fan of two game nba slates but we're going to be going over some basic nba stuff today like if you've been playing nfl if you've been playing mlb maybe you haven't played nba in a while maybe you've never played it uh just go over some basic strategy basic you know how to play the game type of thing answer your questions in the youtube chat as i normally do i see you guys in there anthony Golding, suki singh josh duck Card fan, Max Coach, Apocalypse, Jerome Lewis, Joe Mack, Trey, just plain old Trey is back in the chat. Give me those thumbs, thummy thumbs, thumbs up, thumbs down, some sideways, doesn't matter. Hit the subscribe button. If you're new here, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got free crunch time uh, later today, I believe, right? So we got we got NBA before, you know, the, before the, the slate locks, you know, grinders live, crunch time, all that type of stuff. As usual, NBA is back with a two-game slate. Uh, the re- main reason I don't like playing two game NBA slates is it's essentially a glorified show- showdown. So like the strategy and lineup construction for two game NBA slates is more, more similar to, to a showdown style of mentality than on a, on a main like classic type of slate. So consider the difference of like NFL classic, you know, this past Sunday, 10 games, you know, you, you build your lineup now picture, you know, two game slate picture showdown. You're more likely to, be playing really weird correlations, you know, we, like I'm going to play, I'm going to play the backup and the guy that's starting. And like all, you're trying to get more unique and large field GPPs, you know, like, so it's not exactly, you know, you're, you're probably playing a lot of guys from the same game, right? You would that on a 10 game, 11 game NBA slate, you're probably not jamming in five or six guys from the same game into your lineup. Uh, but it's inevitable on a two-game slate. Now, there are times that you are jamming in five or six guys from the same game, but the, typically that's when, you know, like, ah, oh, three guys are out from one side and three guys are out from the other side, and everyone that's playing is $3,200, and they're gonna, all going to be playing 30 minutes, and you just jam them in. That's going to happen, especially late in the NBA season. But but primarily uh, for this two-game NBA slate that's coming up, you're going to be playing lineups where you're playing, you know, the, you know, the, the, the fourth guy off the bench because, like, what – what other options do you got? You really don't got uh, that many options. So I just wanted to go over today, maybe not specific strategy for the two-game slate tonight, but just general NBA DFS, right? Just NBA DFS in general. How to use the tools here at Roto Grinders, what you should be looking at, uh, what matters and what doesn't matter, uh, line of construction questions, any type of you know large field, small field, cash game, whatever type of questions. So feel free to type them all into the YouTube chat. So I'll scroll back. I'll see. I'll see everything. So if you got any NBA-based questions, so just type them in. If you listen on the podcast feed, you know, obviously I'm here. I'm here every day. We'll be going. We'll be doing NBA on the days that there's no NFL, right? I mean, Fridays we'll be talking a lot more about NFL. Maybe you know, it's got it's the DFS pregame show. But it's whatever. So uh, so you'll always have we'll tie it. NBA is going to be here for the next what, six months, seven months, whatever, whatever it is. So, so like, I'm never going to talk about it again. It's like, no, we'll, we'll be, we'll be discussing NBA on a regular basis. Uh, so, so just type, type your questions in the YouTube chat. 
John Mock and Jock and Mock, John Brockenmeyer says cash games on a two game slate. I mean, you can just understand that there's going to be just a lot of overlap, right? It's going to, it's going to be a one V one. Do you play Jordan Wara or do you play the, do you play uh, Kevin Looney? I mean like that, it's going to be like that. So if you will, if you're willing to put uh, money down on, on two V twos, one V one, you know, of uh, guys that are only going to play 18 minutes, like fine. And you could, sure you could do that. But I mean, it's, it's very hard to not be overlapping in a lineup when there's only two games going on. So just, it's just higher variance. Uh, your, your, your night is going to be decided by some, some bench player, not like a, on a, on a nine game, 10 game, 12 game slate where a lot more options. You'll still, you'll still see a lot of overlap between sharp players in, in the larger slates, but on a two game slate, it's like, it's an, even the bad players, they have to, you know, if you're playing someone in a head to head and they're like, Oh, this guy's horrible. Like it's kind of hard to be horrible when you have to select eight or nine guys from a pool of only four teams, right? More likely that you're going to be overlapped with them anyway. Uh, just like Fighting Moose says, is it all right to play opposing centers in the three game slate? Yes. The smaller the slate, you could do that. The, the negative correlation kind of just goes out the window because there's only so many options that you have. The opportunity cost is is low, right? Because it's like, well, I, I'm going to play the center and the backup center in my lineup. It's like, well, well what other options do you have? On a 10-game slate, you have tons of other options. The opportunity cost of playing the backup center alongside the starting center, it, you wouldn't do it. I mean, it, wouldn't, it, it would likely, it would very likely not be worth it. Uh, opposing centers, just in general, from a correlation standpoint, understand correlation. Okay, we talk a lot about correlation here because we play MLB right? MLB is uh, highly correlated. You play five guys from, a, from the same side, right? You know, that type of thing. NFL, higher correlation. You know, you have a quarterback with two pass catchers, guys on the opposing sides of the game, you know, that, that type of thing. You know, it's going to be a shootout. Okay. NBA, the correlations are very weak. They exist, but they're still very weak. You're, you're, let, you're, you're not going to be as willing to give up projection for correlation. Okay. Because remember, those are the three levers of DFS, projection, correlation, and leverage, right? Leverage is the ownership. You know, you're playing the ownership game there. Uh, in MLB, because it's an event-driven sport, where a guy that doesn't project as well as other people, you know, can hit a home run and just like, just blow out, just blow, get the top range of his outcomes, like in one swing. So like, I don't mind giving up more projection for, for that correlation. In NFL, like it's less, but there's enough. You know, you're gonna play quarterback and two wide receivers. Do you do you pair up the second wide receiver with the quarterback? Well, I don't mind giving up a point or two in projection to do so. Like, will I give up eight points in projection? Probably not, but one or two is worth it. Uh, in NBA, that gap is very small. Okay, so given the choice between two players. Uh, if they were similarly projected within a point to maybe two of each other, I'll play the, I'll play the more correlative player. But once it gets to like four or five, you know, like then, then it's probably not worth it. Understand that NBA is, is a much more a linear sport, much more iter it's iterative scoring. No, no player could score that many points in a minute, right. In one play, like even they get the, they get, they get a steal and they hit a three pointer, right. What are we talking about? Even on DraftKings, that's what? Three, five and a half points or something? 
Like that's as much as someone could do on like one play of a basketball game. Unlike football where 80 yard touchdown reception, right? You're talking about 15 points on one play, right? Something like that, right? Baseball, solo home run is 14 points on draft. I mean, like one swing in the bat. NBA, you can't really get there. A guy that's going to play eight minutes. How many points can that person put? Fantasy points could that person put up reasonably? Not that many, right? Uh, you know, so min- that's why the, the, the common phrase is minutes equal money, right? So minutes and usage, those are the two things that that you care about the most. Because obviously there are people that play like dead minutes. Tony Snell, 38 minutes, and he just sits in the corner. He took three three-pointers. And like, hopefully he gets all three in because there's his 12 points for the day, right? So there, are pe- there are players like that. There are also players that don't play as many minutes, but when they're on the court, they, they're fantasy point per minute monsters. Right. High usage, high rebound, block steals. You know, we get the, you know, the Bobby Portises, the Montrell's Harrells. Typically they're they're the you know power forward center types. Chris Boucher, that you know, maybe they only play 22 minutes, but you know, they could they could end up with 35, 40 points in 22 minutes in some games. So that that's the difference between the two types of players. And their distribution curves are going to look different because of that. So so in, in NBA, correlation-wise. The, you care more about negative correlation. And this is on a bigger slate. I'm not talking about tonight. Like I said, I'm not talking about tonight's slate. Tonight's slate is play wherever you want, okay? Because like, oh, well, these two guys are negatively correlated. But yeah, but there's only so many guys in the player pool. So you're going you're gonna to play, you're gonna have to play guys together. Uh, but on a, on a normal slate, on a, not a two-game slate, you're, you're more likely to care about negative correlation than positive correlation because there's the very weak positive correlation in NBA. So a lot of people think, you know, oh, well, uh, the point guard's going to get the ball, pass it to the wing, and the wing's going to hit the three-pointer, and the guy's going to get an assist. It's like, yeah, there is a correlation there. But, I mean, you're looking to correlate ceilings, not specific plays. How many assists and buckets correlation can you get in one game on average that makes it worth it? When your fantasy point scoring, you're going to be scoring 300 points in your life. 350, 400 on FanDuel. So it's like, oh, this is the, this player is correlated with the other player and it and it boosts them up by what, 3%? 3% of a total projection of like what, 80? Between the two players combined. 5%, let's say it's 5%. That's four points. Four points out of 400. So that's 1% of your entire score. Is that correlation worth it to priority? No, it's not. I'm not saying it doesn't exist but it's very weak. Uh, the cor- positive correlation that you may care more about is two sides of a game, two players. I'm not saying to stack five guys. Oh, three guys from this side, three guys from the other side, like on a, on a normal, regular size. Like, no. Uh, positive correlation of in between minutes. If the game is close, the starters' minutes are going to be more correlated with each other. So obviously if the game blows out, you're more likely they empty the bench at the end and like no one sees their, their maximum minutes. But in a close game, and especially one that goes over its total, right? That's not that, you know, it's, it's one of the outlier games that the total's 215 and now it's the fourth quarter and it's already, it's already combined 220 points and there's still eight minutes left. And it's close and the starters are still, are, they're coming back in the game, right? In the eighth minute, then it's going to be a close game and they're probably, they're probably over expectations. So if you're going to decide, it's like, I'm going to play, 
player A in this game. And then I have a choice in my lineup to play between a couple of players that are projected around the same, around the same price or whatever. Be more inclined to play the play, play the guy that's on the other side of the game in that lineup. How many point, how many, how much projection are you willing to be give up for that? Still not that much, right? It's very, these are weak correlations. So it's like, if, if they're, if these four guys project similarly, the tiebreaker to me is whoever's correlated with the other, the other side of the game, but I'm not, I'm not going to give up five points in median projection to, to play a guy just because they're on two sides of the game, right? Be much more inclined NBA because it's iterative scoring and it's much more projectable. The minutes are easier to project and minutes equal money. And the usage is easier to project. The efficiency, I mean, people, sometimes they shoot three for 18. Can't do anything about it. But it's so, it's so much easier to be narrower on the projections, which means they're more likely to fall into that fat range on the curve. More often than not. It doesn't mean it happens. Still highly variant. People think, oh, NBA DFS. Oh, this is you just... Just look at the projections and that's all you need, right? It's like that, the projections are still just ranges of outcomes and the ranges of outcomes can be very wide, okay? But it is the most projectable sport out of the bunch. So in, in a sport that has is not event-driven, which the variance, to increase the variance of your lineup is, is quite hard because the ranges of outcomes are much more narrow, that uh, you shouldn't be sacrificing projection for correlation or leverage as much as you would do in other sports doesn't it doesn't mean you don't do it just you're probably you're probably never playing a lineup even in the largest field gpp that sacrifices 40 points in projection probably probably i don't know how much leverage you need to get you need to have some i mean it would be it would be a high variance lineup but you're probably not sacrificing that many points of projection right? An entire player's points, right? It's almost like you're playing with one less slot in your lineup. Uh, but you're also in NBA much more likely to find a lot of lineups that are within five points of like the optimal. Like you're much more likely, like in football, in baseball, even baseball, you're not really playing because you're playing stack wise, but in football, there could be a lot of liners because of touchdown variance. Remember, touchdown is an event-driven sport. People could show up with weird touchdowns, right? You could you could make up six points, you know, like that on one play. NBA, it's 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 tough. It's tough. It's tough to do that because it, it, it's hard. It's it's hard for someone to just out of the blue go from playing 18 minutes to 34. Like it it just it's it doesn't happen that often. So it's hard to get lucky like that. So if you take a look at an NFL and you go, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, simulate, I'm going to uh, optimize. I'm going to, you know, use a tool to generate the top 500 projected lineups. The gap between number one and number 500 is going to be much wider. You're going to, you're going to start dropping in projection eventually, you know, along the way in NBA, the difference between the top one, the the one to 500 could be the one and a half points on some slots, like between 500 lineups and you're only dropping one, the fifth 500th lineup is only a, a point and a half, two points behind the first. Now, obviously on slates where there's like immense value that opens up, 
that gap, that, that gap maybe end up being wider because the, the only way to, to drop your, your ownership is by not playing that player. And that drops your projection significantly. But on slates with much more efficient pricing, meaning there's no injury news that comes out or something that makes uh, the player pricing so, so inefficient on the slate, which happens a lot in NBA. Like the difference, the difference between lineups is marginal. A lot of times marginal. You could, you, if you, if you, even, I know in lineup HQ, you can only do 300 lineups, but if you went in Excel or something, or you had a script that you wrote that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to you know, give me the top 5,000 projected lineups in an efficiently priced slate, like those lineups, like even the 5,000th lineup is not going to be that, it may not be that dramatically different than the first line. I mean, maybe it drops by the 5,000th lineup, maybe you're dropping, you know, 10 projected points, but still look how many lineups fill that like that. So an NBA, just in general, prioritizing projection is much more in any other sport. Is it the be all end all? No, you still you're playing GPPs. You have to get different somewhere, right? You know, do you have to add correlation? No, you don't. You don't have to. If, if you went, if you went and played NBA DFS in GPPs uh, this year and just didn't even care about correlation at all, positive nor negative, it wouldn't hurt you that much. It would hurt you, but it wouldn't hurt you that much. Okay. But like I said, negative correlation matters more than positive correlation. So what's an instance where, where we have negative correlation? It's players that come in and out for each other. So a lot of it, it's the backup set, the center and the backup center, right? So starting center starts like and plays 34 minutes and the other guy plays 14 minutes. Now, the only time that that shifts is, you know, foul trouble from the starter, which, which does happen. Or, you know, in a blowout situation where, you know, the, the starting center plays 26 minutes, doesn't come back in the game because they're up by 30 or they're down by 30 or something. And now the backup center, instead of playing 14 minutes, plays 22 minutes, right? So that's the volatility of minutes based on the game state, which are you going to predict that? That's accounted for in the range of outcomes, but that's, that's, when, these, that's when these curves go all over the place, right? That's where the distribution curve. It's primarily a game state as well as efficiency, right? So, you know, oh, the guy has a 28% usage rate is going to be on the court for 36 minutes and he shoots, he shoots 17 for 21 and he puts up 75 fantasy points. It's like, well, that he's not, he's not going to shoot lights out like that every game. So that's a matter of efficiency volatility, but the negative correlation are primarily players that, that at their prices, the main, the main thing you have to key with these negative correlations is price, okay? Price matters so much in NBA, more so than other sports because of, you know, the lack of event-driven things happening, right? So price versus projection, you're going to be caring a lot more. In NFL, you can pay, I'm going to pay up to be contrarian. And just, uh, maybe he, this guy gets three touchdowns. So you can do that. I'm going to pay down and play a 3K guy because maybe he gets lucky. You could do that in NFL. MLB, definitely, with the home runs. I'll play the bottom of the order, you know, like that type of thing. Uh, NBA, NBA doesn't happen as often as, as, as you think. So playing in, in that style, it's much more likely that you're, going, you're not going to overpay 2000 for a player for the sake of being contrary. There's, typically, on a, on a large enough slate, there's going to be enough options that you don't have to sacrifice projection like that. 
right? You you could you could end up playing lineups that project well and still are owned low enough that you don't need to go. Someone's obviously overpriced. You just, just don't play, right? Just he's not going to get there often enough. So negative correlation are people that come in and out for each other and people that take shots away from each other. So we're talking about like wing players that shoot primarily three pointers, uh, what I call shooting dependent players or scoring dependent players. They typically suck value out of like other other scoring dependent players. So if you have uh, you have uh, you know a shooting wing that like if they're in if they're in the line if they put up forty points, most likely the point guard that is also like a three point shooter probably if they're eight k they probably not getting right. So it depends on the price. Now, if these guys are both, you know, 4K, then and they're both going to play 38 minutes. I don't care. Yes, you're right. They're negatively correlated to ceilings. But how much of a ceiling do you need, right, out of a 4K player, right? If both, if both guys get 8X, 9X, right, 9X on their salary at 4K, 36 points, you're, 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 you're golden. You're good. You're good. Now, if both were 7K, getting 36 each isn't good, right? So even though they could, even though two players can be negatively correlated to each other, there's, they still could be playable depending on their price. The higher the price goes, the more you care about negative correlation. So we have like on today's slate, for instance, we have a Harden and Durant. Their ceilings are negatively correlated with each other, right? At, at their prices, 10, eight and 10, six. So most likely on a main slate, I'm not talking about tonight's slate. Remember, tonight's slate, two-game slate, you can kind of throw all these rules out the window because there's only so many options to choose from. But on a normal size slate, you're probably not playing Harden and Durant together at these prices because their ceilings are negatively correlated to each other. Now, what happens if I say Kevin Durant's 5,000? Well, now you can play because, well, his, his ceiling is 69 in our projections. Right, his median is 52. If he's 5K and he hits his median, that's a 10X score. So at 5K, I don't care that they're negatively correlated because as long as they both get their medians, I'm gold. But Kevin Durant at 10-8, put it getting 52 points and Harden getting 54 on a normal slate is probably not good enough. You'd rather have one get 75 and the other get 38. Right, and one of them has the outlier performance between the two because they're both on the court at the same time, mostly, and they're stealing usage from each other. You'd rather tilt to one side and you have that guy. But having both on a normal, regular size slate, their ceilings will be negatively correlated to each other. So be more inclined to not play them together at these prices. But obviously, as the price goes down, the effect of that negative correlation goes down also. Uh, let's go through the YouTube chat before I continue. Uh, feel free to type in your questions. I, I, I will answer everything. I will, I'll answer more questions tomorrow. We'll be doing NBA for a while. So don't feel like you have to, you have to jam everything in if you miss something. Uh, let's see. Norris, should I care about positional scarcity for dual position eligible players? Uh, well, I mean, now on FanDuel, you know, now you have multi-positional eligibility. You still only have one center slot. On FanDuel, uh, this is a there's a t- there's no general way to talk about positional scarcity. Uh, it's that's really slate dependent. I think that's probably better left for tomorrow. 
But yes, you do care about positional scarcity. Sometimes, you know, you need to play a small forward and there's no good projected small forwards on the slate. A lot of times you do one of two things. You just play a, you play a stud there, you know, Kawhi or LeBron or something, because you still want all the raw points. Or you just punt completely, just like no one's worth it. So I'm going to play the, a 4K guy instead and hope I get 20 points out of it. So typically it's one of the two. But I mean, that truthfully, that's all slate dependent because you don't know what the positional scarcity is on a slate to begin with. Uh, Trey says, I like the NBA roster construction of paying up at positions everyone is paying down for and vice versa. It'll get your lineup different really quickly. Yes, I promote this a lot. But understand, doing that, you still need to take into account the total lineup ownership, which typically goes down, right? The reason why you do that is like, oh, most more people are going to pay down at power forward and pay up at point guard. You know, it could be one of those slates based on the values at the position, the players that are available. So you go, it's like, oh, I'm going to flip the build, which typically lowers your ownership. Because now you're not playing a chalky player in a certain position. You're paying up at that position, which is good. But then what is your projection by doing that? Don't simply do that and go, well, good, I'm out, right? You drop the mic or whatever. But what happens if that lineup projects eight points lower than the other line? And the ownership has only gone down just a little bit. That's probably still not a good line. Like if you're at the point where you've completely flipped the build and you're sacrificing that many points, it's probably better to not flip the build as much, right? Like if your best lineup you could make flipping the build has to sacrifice that much, maybe it's not as good of an idea. Or maybe, maybe you play a couple, maybe if it's large field, maybe you play a couple of lineups like that. Maybe you could, maybe you could make up eight, 10 points in projection through, you know, through leverage, through, you know, something like through the roster construction. Yeah. Okay. Is it the best idea? No, it's not. So I'm going to highlight a lot that like, Whatever construction you use, use a tool like Lineup HQ. Like I use Lineup HQ, like you see in NFL that I've shown, to just run lineups. What am I doing throughout the day in NBA, right? First off in NBA, news changes everything. So like you can, I'm going to build lineups at 10 in the morning. What's the point? What, wait until the 5.30 injury report. I mean like that, like dude, every day there's going to be, this guy may be in and then 17 people listed as questionable, there's no, there's no point like to me like you you can look at stuff i'll run lineups like if nothing changes what lineups look better it's very similar to nfl here's the chalk lineup here's a different type of lineup if i don't play this guy what does it look like and then looking at the projection looking at the ownership but throughout the day as news happens these projections and the ownership projections will change this and multiple times a day so if you sign up for roto grinders premium which is ten dollars off your first month Click on the link in the description below. Like these will change often, often. I mean, throughout the course of the day, anytime news hits, typically within 10 minutes, projections update. And then within another 10 minutes, ownership update. And that, that could fly by the two hours before lock. There, there may be our projections team. We have a, a live team. This is not a computer doing it. We have Andy Means. We have Notorious. We have Tuttle, we have SBK, we have Bob Reeves, we have Alan Lem. We have an entire team that that is their job every day for NBA is to start at the beginning of the day and put in the rates, put in the minutes, put in, I mean, they're going game by game, 
putting in all the minutes of all the players, of all the everything, and generating the projections. Okay? And then they adjust throughout the day. Maybe there's a beat reporter said this. Maybe some, they, 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 there's a Slack channel that they have in our internal Slack. They're debating all day. Right. Well, this guy doesn't play and this guy like what? And then his assist rate has to go down and they're, they're, they're going through that. We have a team of people that do that. OK, this is what you'd be doing yourself if you were generating your own projections. If you were originating your own projections, you'd be doing that type of work. We do it for you here at Roto-Grinders. And I trust that team. I mean, the, the projections last year were a plus uh, very good last year. So it's the same team. I expect it to be just as good. Uh, so they're going to be doing that throughout the day. And if you leave line of HQ open, you'll see notification boxes show up on this, this right, right-hand corner. Anytime a player is added to the pool, player's projection changes, you'll see the updated time of the fantasy points and the ownership here in, in, your, in your window. So it's like, oh, it's six o'clock, uh, Bradley Beal's ruled out. It's like, well, give them, give them 10 minutes, you know, give them something like that. And then you'll see 10 minutes later, Bradley Beal is now projected for zero as a, a notification. And then they'll start projecting other, you know, Troy Brown or whoever, whoever's on the Wizards or whatever, you know, their projection starts to change. So that work is already being done for you uh, and throughout the course of the day. And the ownership will uh, change shortly after that, right? Sometimes we get closer to lock and maybe you don't get the ownership. I'm just going to say it outright. You'll get, the, you'll get the projection update, but sometimes we get word literally five minutes before lock, like before a, ga- a certain game locks that, you know, this guy's out. It's like, well, that, that kind of, that flips the slate on its head. Uh, the ownership uh, program that we run probably will not be like, you'll, you'll have to manually edit that ownership uh, for that point. Cause it's uh, very quick, but if it's like uh, 20, 30 minutes before the ownership will be updated as well. But yeah, I mean, you could change You could change anything in here anyway. If you don't think, oh, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think Andrew Wiggins is going to get 35 minutes. I think he's going to get 34. Like, feel free to, you can change it. It'll, it'll, it'll even bump up or down the projection with, with the fantasy points per minute for you, if you want. So if you want to alter the minutes, feel free to do it yourself. If you want to change a projection, go for it. If you want to aggregate other sources, we have the ability to add, you add your own projections and you can wait whatever you want. So you could do it. You, 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 if you have if you have subscriptions to other sites, if you generate your own projections, you can upload here. You could aggregate them with the Roto Grinders projections if you want. You could, I mean, you could pretty much do whatever you want. You have a custom column here. You can even add your own information if you wanted to. It's all in here ready for you. And then you use the tool as, as a tool to build lineups, right? And then you can always use the lineup preview sidebar to get like what is the best optimal lineup based on my plan and these projections. If you just wanted one, right? A lot of times this is, this is what I call the cash game window, right? You're going to go through all of this. You're going to start making your GPP lineups and everything. And it's like, okay, who do I play in cash? And then just, I'm going to go here. I'm going to click the button, right? This is FanDuel, by the way, right? So you click the button, you go, okay, this is the 299.12, 425% ownership, 59.8K salary, 200 remaining. And this is, this is the best possible lineup based on these median fantasy point projections and then if you'd like oh i can't play auto porter we'll x him out and do it again like like let's say you said i don't want to play auto porter in my cash game so x him out so now he's out of the player pool and then you repress the button so now it's going to show you whatever now it's 299.00 right or what you could do 
Let me go to the excluded. Just run. I could just run 10 lineups and go, here are the top 10 lineups in projection. 299, 299, 298, right? These are close enough, right? How much projection do you want to give up in cash? Probably not that much. Two points is a lot in cash games. So maybe maybe you play one of the top one of the top five lineups, right? So you eliminate, delete all lineups below, delete that. So maybe the top five, you go, okay, this is, the, this is our top projected lineup. But like, there's a 0.2 difference between these two lineups. So take a look at this. But this is FanDuel. So Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, Joe Harris, James Harden, Porter, Giannis, Nuora, Millsap, Green. This lineup is what? Okay, so we got one difference here because they, they have this one. Okay, this one has Harden, right? The, the multi-possessional eligibility. It, has to, it takes a while to get used to on FanDuel because you're not used to not seeing it. Uh, let's see, do we got Curry in here? No, we don't got Curry. We got Giannis. We don't got Porter. This looks like a 2v2 between Millsap and Looney and we got Curry and Durant. There's still Connington in there. This looks like a 3v3. Porter, so basically it's okay. Porter, Millsap, and Curry for Connington, Looney, and Durant. So it's a 3v3. And look at the difference in projection. Point one two okay it's a 3v3 and the difference in a and this projects meaning wise for almost 300 points so in the grand scheme of things how how much is 0.12 worth not that much right so like if you said it for cash games double ups head-to-heads i'm going to play the top one because it's the highest it's it's 0.12 higher if you trust the projections, that would be, that would be, if we played this laid out a million times, you'd be slightly more profitable than playing the second line. That's here. Slightly, but you'd still have to play a million times. If we played this one time, the variance between these two lineups, could, the difference could be 60 points on one slate. So if you decide, you go, you look at this lineup and go, uh, I think I'd rather just play Harden and Durant together, right? Make sure to get those points. Right, no matter which way it goes, and I like this lineup better. You could do that. This is this is a cash. You're probably going to see both lineups. You're probably going to go into your FanDuel cash games tonight, as long as there's no new news or whatever, uh, and see this lineup. By and, and in a hundred man 50-50, you may see this lineup eighteen times duplicated, and you may see lineup two duplicated twelve times. Right? I mean, like, and then the third lineup here. Is Pool Harden Grayson Allen? So I think Grayson Allen is in this lineup. Maybe you see this, and maybe four people have this line. And this lineup projects for a little bit lower. So you're giving up about a, almost a half a point here. So as you go down, you're giving up slightly more and more projection. And remember, like I said before, out of all the sports, projection is the most valuable in NBA. So you're probably not playing a cash lineup that is projected. Three, even three points lower, right? You're probably playing one of these types of lineups. But if you didn't want to play, certain, you could either run a couple of lineups yourself and choose, or you could just use the lineup preview on the side and say, well, I don't want to play this guy. Let me see what it looks like without that guy. And just go to, and you end up on the, you know, you end up on one of these lineups anyway. 
because we have cloud storage. So if you're building a lot of like GPP stuff in here, it's gonna these, these if you generate ten, it's gonna go with all your rules and all your exposures and all that type of stuff. And that's why we have the lineup preview. So the lineup preview will always give you the optimal median projected lineup based on your player pool. So if someone's excluded, it won't be in there, but it won't follow any of your rules. The only time your rules will be followed is if you build generally normal, a normal build. But understand, like, pro like projections in NBA, like if you're not using projections in NBA, truthfully, you might as well not. You're, you, you basically, you're, you're just, you're just uh, bashing buttons and hoping to get lucky. Uh, the NBA, NBA projections around the industry are really good. I, I think the RG ones are the best, personally. And I'm not saying that because we're on a, a roto-grinding show. Like in other sports, a lot of times I do aggregate. And I'm not saying I don't look at other projections in NBA. But like last year, like they, I'm not aggregating. I'm using the RG projections. I did. I did. I mean, I used them in cash games, straightforward, and you know, made twenty, twenty-one thousand, and then made another ten thousand in GPP. So, like, I eat my own dog food. Like this, this is I'm showing exactly what I do. Uh, but the main thing is to, uh, the the projections. Like, we have this article in premium, NBA player projections, foundational knowledge. Memorize this article, okay? If you're playing NBA for the first time. Like this whole thing, what is the range of outcomes? What, what did this look like? This is a normal distribution curve. Now, players don't have normal distributions, but they're more normally distributed in NBA than any other sport. So looking through and seeing what goes into the projections. Out of all the things, like we have what goes into our projections. Usage percentage, assist percentage, rebound percentage, uh, uh, turnover percentage, steal percentage, block percentage, uh, Three-point attempt rate, efficiency stats for free throws and, and field goals and free throw attempt rate, all these rate stats, all the stuff that you could look up, basketball reference or NBA.com, all of that type of stuff, that's all in here. And all the matchup-based stuff, the DVP type of stuff, the, you know, the pace of play, the possessions, the total of the game, the spread of the game, the blowout potential, it's all in there. Right, so look through these the, this this article. It'll explain everything to you, all the range of outcomes, how it comes to be, right? How what the volatility for each play for the players could be, right? And a lot of times, like the number one thing to not do is don't double count. A lot of the stuff that that, that is already fact it's uh, that you look at is already factored into the projection. It's already factored in there. Well, I'll, I'm going to play this guy because he has a high uh, high projection and the game has a high total. Well, that's why he has a high projection. Or it's a bad, it's a good defensive matchup. But, I, but it's already, it's, I can't play this guy because that, because of someone's you know matchup defense wise. It's already accounted for, right? You're looking at it already, right? You don't bump that down three points just because of the. It's already in there. It's in there. Like it's like you're making a you know a dish. All the spices, all the stuff, it's all in. So if you trust, if you trust the model, which is not just a model, I have to make it very clear. This isn't just an algorithm coming up with numbers. We got seven, eight people behind the scenes that spend literally all day coming up, looking through all of that type of stuff, going, 
well, maybe his assist rate should be slightly higher. Maybe this guy's rebound rate is slightly lower. Maybe this guy could play three more minutes that we're expecting. And they're putting all of that in. They're doing that throughout the day. News happens. Someone's in. Someone's out. A starting lineup comes out that's unexpected. And it's like, ooh, if this, we didn't project this guy to start. And we have this starting lineups page. But also understand in NBA, the starting lineup doesn't matter. The starting lineup in and of itself doesn't matter. Minutes matter. So if you see out of the blue, like we see it on the Nets, for instance, I'm just going to make it up. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But let's say we see Bruce Brown isn't starting and Javon Carter is or DeAndre Benbury is. Well, if Benbury is going to be, let's say it's Benbury. I'm not saying it happens. I'm just saying. Benbury's in the starting lineup or Patty Mills or something. like that. He's in the starting, Benbury's in the starting lineup. It's like, how much usage could Benbury have when Harden and Durant, Blake Griffin under the starters are on the court? Benbury's more likely to be on the court when Harden and Durant, when Durant isn't even out there. So he probably has a higher usage as a backup than as a starter. But how many minutes is he going to play? Sometimes people start and only play 12 minutes, right? They're starter in name only. They come out, they come in, they play the first six minutes, and then you never see him again, right? You just never see him again. And the guy that comes off the bench, we see that with guys like Lou Williams. No one ever talks about, oh, well, how do I play Lou Williams? He's not starting. Like, well, Lou Williams never starts. How do we play Will Barton when he's not starting? Dude's going to play 34 minutes off the bench. I mean, like, the minutes matter. Not that whether or not the starter is it's starter in name, but you have to know what, what the reaction is. So it's like if we see that that memory starts for Brown or something like that, well, how does that affect Brown now? Like is Brown minutes Brown Brown's minutes may go down, but his usage starts going up. So that's why we have a team doing that. These are the things that you'd be doing if you didn't have rotographs. You'd have to figure that out yourself. You have to go into the data and, and spend the time to do that. But at Rotogrinds, we have an entire team that does it. <clears throat> Human beings that do it. It's not a computer deciding. The computer is going through and back to like what the what the algorithm and our computer programming does is go back and test all of this data. How predictive are certain things? How do we weight these certain things? They simulate the range of outcomes. And that gets tweaked, like Jamino tweaks that on a regular basis and tests and back tests with old data and regresses stuff. I mean, as as one would do if you were doing this yourself. So to me, the projections on Rotogrinders are like the most valuable, especially in NBA, especially. I think it's valuable in all sports, but especially in NBA. If you just pay for Rotogrinders for the NBA projections, like they, the, they, they should be a hundred times more expensive for the amount of work that goes into them and the accuracy. So like, this is the key. You should be having this lineup HQ up. The, anything that happens will be reflected in lineup HQ, right? Because a lot of times we have this court IQ tool. If you want to do it yourself, like you could go through, we have game flow tracker. So if you want to see like, well, in the last game that they played against this team or something, or in the last game, like what would the rotations look like? Well, in court IQ, which is part of Roto-Grinders premium, you could go through and you could see who played what, what minutes, who overlapped, who came in for who, right? All the stats on the game. So maybe like uh, after Wednesday slate, you go, oh, that was weird that this guy played more than that guy. What happened? Well, it could be foul trouble. So you could go through and you could see. It'll show you the fouls. It'll show you everything here. You know, play-by-play of everything that happened in the game and where the overlap was. 
Now, this is the type of stuff that our team is already going through and reflecting in the projections. But if you want to take a second look and go, okay, this is interesting. This is, you know, how did they play against a certain team? Did they play big? Did they play small? You would find that type of stuff in court IQ. And in court IQ, you could also do queries. So let's say uh, we could see here, like people have actually done recent queries. Brooklyn's usage with Harden, Durant, and Claxton on and Irving off last season. Right, so you select a team, you go like, okay, I'm going to go to the, the the Brooklyn Nets, right? And it's going to show me who do I want on and off the court, okay? So it's like, okay, I want Harden on, I want Durant on, and I want Kyrie off, right? Because Kyrie is not, is not playing. And you go, well, based on that setup, like, what were the stats of those? What was the usage stats? This is for 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 all, for last season. It didn't happen often, right? How many minutes? What was the usage? What was the fantasy points per minute? And everything here. So you can see here that you know, we don't have much of a sample size on that. And obviously some people aren't even on the team anymore. So if you want, if news comes out, it's, it's six o'clock. So-and-so's out. Well, you could go, you could go to our court IQ and do that type of thing. It's like, oh, like, let's say we found out that uh, that uh, Harden's out today. Like, obviously, that makes Durant a great play, right? Because he's going to get everything. It's like, well, what happens in that scenario? Now, obviously, in the beginning of the season, you're not going to get much on this season. Teams have moved. I mean, there's not going to be much of a sample size. Later in the season, you'll be able to see much more. But understand that even though you could look this up and use Court IQ, if you use our projections, they're already in there. All, all the... All the, the concern, all the, the factors like this are all, that's what the team is going to already put in, right? But if you wanted to look it up, a lot of times that's what I do, especially late, where 10 minutes before lock and something happens like that. Like, do I wait for the team to update in a couple of minutes or can I try to do it quickly myself? And then I go to court IQ. Or even, even if it's three o'clock in the afternoon, <coughs> Some news I see happens on Twitter and then I go to Court IQ. It's like, what should I expect in the projections? Right? And look through it like this. Like, go to Court IQ and see. We also have at uh, uh, Roto Grinders, what if projections? So, if there's a situation where we're, we're already aware of, where some guy is questionable, that's already on the injury report like the night before, oh, or someone that is known not to play back to backs. Right, Kawhi probably is not going to play a back-to-back, but we're not sure. They we got a quote from the coach. Well, maybe he'll play some back-to-backs. So he's listed as questionable, and we don't know. So our team may have Kawhi Leonard in the projections currently, but then create a set of projections that have Kawhi out. Which obviously, when if it happens, makes it easier for them to just like that update. If if we have the 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 situation in our what if projections projections get updated in like 60 seconds, right? Cause they're already done. Nothing needs to be manually. Oh, this guy's in and this guy's out. And we got to give minutes here. And it takes them a couple of minutes to do that. So there's a page on the site. We don't have it up today. Cause there's not, there's nothing to what if about, but those, what if those, if then you could see if you want, it's part of premium. There'll be an article called the what if projections and the, you know, the three, four top injury Kind of like status. We, is Embiid going to play? We don't know. Well, in our projections, we have Embiid in. 
Because as long as they're not doubtful, they're going to be in the projections. Doubtful guys are, are typically left off the projection until they're upgraded. But then you could go in and go, well, if it be doesn't play, what does this look like? And we have it there. We do that earlier in the day for you. So if you wanted to research that and go, well, who am I likely to play if Embiid is out? Because the current projections show Embiid in. There you go. We, we got that for you too. And that's done by our, our great projection team. So everything everything's done for you. It's like everything is done for you. The thing that you need to do for like GPPs is just build plus EV lineups. Compare, it's just like any sport. The game theory is still the same. You want the highest rejected lineups for the lowest owners. Like that, there you go. For the, and how much ownership discount do you need for the projection is dependent on the size of the contest that you play. Going through the YouTube chat. Kai Roach, uh, okay to leave like 2K on the table for the main NBA contest? Well, tonight, yes. Remember, tonight is more like you're playing showdown style. You know, there's going to be a lot of dupes, right? There's going to be a lot of, you know, if you spend all your salary, you're going to be duplicated 1,700 times, right? Like, you could get weird. You could leave money on the ta- off the table. You could play guys that are projected for three minutes. I mean, you could, you could do, for GPPs, you're, you're doing stuff like that. So that, like, that's why I said, I'm, I don't want to talk about strategy for tonight's slate specifically, because, like, all the stuff, the primer for NBA DFS, like, you could kind of throw almost all those rules out the window because, like, everyone knows the rules, and they're going to all make lineups that are like that. So you want to kind of break the rules to make lineups that aren't going to be as duplicated. Uh, fighting Moose, when you build lineups for NBA, what do you look at first? I look at projections. That's the simplest thing. Everything that you could look at, every type of stat you could look at is already reflected in the projections. Anything that's worthwhile, anything that's predictive, anything that's there, the totals. The, any, most days, I do not know the totals of the games. Most days, I don't know who's favored in the game. I know most, ga- most days, I don't know. Because I'm just, I'm, NBA is way more of a numbers game than anything else because projections, it's easier to project. So I just, look, I, I'm, I'm literally just looking at the projections. I don't care about matchups. It's already in there. I don't care about totals. It's already in there. You know, I don't care who's on this and what thing. I, it, it doesn't matter to me. We already have a team taking care of that. So, or you're doing it yourself, but you're still building it into a model. So this is all I'm looking at. Right. And a lot of times I, don't, I barely look at it until like five o'clock or something because a million things happen on it. Wait, if you haven't played NBA DFS, wait until, wait until you get 700 people on the injury report and five of them are stars and you don't know who the hell is playing. And you have to make, and it's, it's it, you know, 530, someone's out. 545, someone's in. Five, 630, we don't even know, right? It's like, we don't even know if this guy's playing because th- he's in a 930 game. So it's like, we don't even have that information before lock. So it's like, okay, what do we do at 8.30 if uh, if Paul George is out? Like, what do we do? Steph Curry may not play. Uh, it's a 10.30 game. And on the injury report, he's still questioning. And he may not, we may not know until a half an hour before that game. It's like, well, if Steph Curry's out, then you can start playing all these other guys. Well, if Steph Curry's in, then you don't play any. Like, what do we do? That's NBA DFS in a nutshell. So that's why I just, I just here on the, and other than those situations where I need to plan for those types of things, just waking up and looking at the numbers, just, okay, what do the, what do the projections team have for me now? 
and then run lineups, just like you would do in any other sport. So are, are there any situations where guys are, are too low owned for their, for their ceiling? And then see what those lineups look like. Yeah, Kai Roach says a 98K entry two-game contest is going to have a ton of dupes, right? Yes. So if you want to avoid duplication or be duplicated less, you got to do weird stuff. It's like, I'm going to, well, you're going to be playing negatively correlated players. You're going to be playing guys with that are only projected to play five minutes. I mean, that's stuff you would never do in like normal nine-game NBA slates. Uh, easy money, 333. Blender. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, do you think there's a bigger edge in cash on slates with more games like tomorrow versus tonight's two gamer? Yes. The more decisions that need to be made, the higher an edge there is between good players and bad players. A bad player can't get that much of their lineup wrong when there's only four teams on the slate and they're going to probably spend 50 K in salary, right? It's going to be rare that anyone's going to make that. But even a bad player's lineup is going to be a 3v3 from you, right? Like, it, there's just so there's only, there's only so few options. On a nine-game slate, 10-game, 11-game slate, a lot more ways to screw up. A lot more ways to screw up. So, yes. So, this is why I don't like playing uh, two, two-game two NBA slates. You could play it, but you have to play it like a showdown. And I'm not a big fan of playing NBA showdown as it is. So, like, I'm skipping tonight. Like, I, I'm not playing. I'm not playing cash. I'm not playing GPP. I'm not playing anything tonight. I'll watch everyone else tilt or something. And then I'll start playing tomorrow. Because I, I, I mostly don't play these types of slates any normally. I don't think I don't think I have much of much of an edge. And the edge that I do have is extremely high variance. Right? Playing a hundred lineups in a large field and hoping for a unique. Especially with other sports going on. I, I just NBA, I don't want to think about uh dupes. I'm used to it in NFL. I'm I like that process in, in avoiding dupes in NFL to some extent, depending on the contest that you're playing. I'm more used to MMA. I'm more used to NBA. I'm not as used to. So I'm less likely to, to play these types of slates. Uh, so what are the strategies to avoid duping? Anything that goes against common knowledge, right? That's the you understand why I wanted to make this an NBA DFS primer and didn't want to talk about tonight's slate because most of the stuff that you would do in a main slate, like that's what people are going to do on tonight's slate and you shouldn't do that, right? Fade that the, probably the two, the three things that you could do to be different, quote unquote different. I don't know how different you'll be is one to play negatively correlated players together because a bit more people are not going to do that. Uh, number two would be to leave salary on the table, leaving 3,000 on the table. More people are going to be spending up on their salary because you're most likely going to do that in NBA anyway uh, on a main slate. You're rarely ever going to leave salary on the table in NBA. Like 200, sure, yes. But you're not going to leave two, 3,000 in, in NBA. Uh, or three, game stack. So you basically you're going to fill up your entire lineup. So you have to play three. You have to play someone from the other game. So like on, on, on FanDuel or something, you know, nine slots, right? We got nine slots on, on both sides, right? One, two, three, four, five. We got eight. So we got eight on draft. I never, I always forget, right? One, two, three, four. We've got eight, eight on DraftKings, nine on FanDuel. Like on DraftKings, like having six guys from like the one game, 
right? Four, two, three, three. And then two of some other, right? Like game stacking. You wouldn't do that on a main slate, right? The opportunity cost is too high to play four guys from the same team, unless they were all like extremely cheap, right? And all getting 38 minutes. You know, there are situations like that. But most likely people are going to play, you know, they'll play three guys from this team and then two guys from that game. Like you'll, you can see if you ran the lineups, you'll see what the chalk constructions look like. And then just over correlate. You just go, I'm going to stack one game. And then I'm going to play the guy. I'm not going to play the studs from the other game. So basically you're playing for one game pick in the extreme example, picture one game goes to overtime and this game blows out in the third quarter, like make those types of lineups. And it could be either game, right? Like make a lineup that one. this game goes to overtime and that one. Now people do do that though. So I'm not talking about like a line of construction that people don't do, but they probably do less. More likely to see people try to jam in, you know, uh, and most likely based on the projections that I see for tonight's slate, most people are more likely to do like Harden and Giannis, Harden or Durant and Giannis, and then play Jordan Poole from the, the Warriors-Lakers game. Maybe the contrarian way to go is to stack the, the Lakers-Warriors game. With, and you don't play Poole, you play Curry and AD and LeBron, and then you fade Harden, Durant, and Giannis, and that's where you play like Pat Cunnington, right? Someone like that. You just, same type of construction, just with a different game. Because that game, the Lakers-Warriors game looks to be lower owned than uh, the Brooklyn-Milwaukee game. That's, I, I mean, and remember, I'm just, I'm, I'm just bare basic looking at this. This is what the numbers would say. So if you're going to do something like that, would be a way to be different. Is it the, does it win? No, I don't know. But it's a way to be different. See what that, the projections of those lineups look like. Obviously, on a two-game slate, you're willing to give up a lot more projection because how else are you going to be different? Like I said, two-game slates in NBA are like showdowns. So you can't play NBA DFS as NBA DFS anymore. You have to play it as this, like, metagame of the... If you're looking at your lineup and you're like, wow, I love my lineup, it's probably a bad lineup, right? It's probably, it's probably going to be duplicated a million times. If you're looking at your lineup and you're like, wow, I may be throwing $20 in the garbage. That's typically a good lineup, right? So... But I can't discuss NBA strategy in general and still say, like, for tonight's slate, you should do that. Oh, uh, let's see. Any last questions? Uh, Smooth Jimmy Apollo, does NFL typically have softer competition than NBA? Yes. And NFL is the softest lobbies because it's the most amount of casual players that play. Uh, let's see. Doo, doo, doo. Eric Johnson, what do you consider cash? Head-to-heads or double-ups? Both. You can't play Curry and Pool in the same lineup. That's negatively correlated, but not Pool is cheap enough that I don't think it matters. When it comes to negative correlation, price matters. If Steph Curry is 3K, who cares if he's negatively correlated if he's going to, on average, put up 50 plus points? I, what for? Uh, yes, yes. I, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the 20x for 3K. I don't care about the negative correlation. So it all depends on price. If Pool, let's say Pool was 6800. Instead of forty eight hundred, then I'm less like now I'm less likely to play Curry and Pool together. Because Pool has to Pool's thirty points is still may not be good enough at sixty eight hundred. Pool's thirty points at forty eight hundred is good enough. If Curry, let's say, if Curry was 
11,000 on the slate, then I'm less likely to play them together because they are negatively, they are somewhat negatively correlated, not heavily negatively. None of these negative and positive correlations are, are strong. So it all depends on price. Harden and Durant, they're priced up enough. Now, obviously, it's a two-game slate, so you can do whatever you want. So that's why if this was a normal slate at their prices, you probably wouldn't play them both together. Harden and uh, uh, Davis and LeBron, you probably meant not playing together anymore. At those prices, as the prices come down, then it's more likely that you do, that you can. Okay. We'll be talking more about NBA, like for, for normal slate to tomorrow. So feel free to, you know, think of your questions. Anything about strategy? We can actually go through some lineup building tomorrow, actually, rather than this two-game slate where, like, I can't teach NBA DFS like this for, you know, you're, you're teaching showdown strategy, essentially, for tonight's slate. So hit those thummy thumbs on your way out the door. Give me those thumbs. Give me those thumbs. Give me the subscribes. Give me the bells, right? We got we got shows later today for NBA. They'll be talking about it. We got a premium show, showdown show, that uh, is coming out this afternoon. Uh, I think with Chop and Eric or someone, Andy, I don't know. I don't know who's doing it, but we have a premium content as always with all, with all of our NBA stuff is uh, it, it's all the tools that I use. So I eat my own dog food. It's not like I, out of all, especially in NBA, I, I all the Roto Grinders tools that, that that's all my tabs on my browser, right? It's a one-stop shop. You can get premium for, for all the sports combo premium or just for NBA. You don't want to pay for all the sports, but to me, like what, 40 bucks a month, it, it, the projections, I mean, really, it's, a, it's criminal that it's that low. I personally would pay 10 times that per month. If Roto Grinders said, NBA projections are $400 a month, like uh, where do I sign up, right? That, that, that's, how, that's how important projections are, and that's how good the Roto Grinders projections are uh, in general. So sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. And, uh, and I will see you tomorrow answering more of your NBA DFS strategy questions as, as I do every day on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.